Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you, God, that we can come and learn from you. Thank you, Father, that you inspire us, you challenge us, you challenge us, um, and, and you shape us. I thank you, God, that you are never far away from us. You never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, we just ask that in this space, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to move as you have, that you would continue to touch, that you would continue to set free, that you would continue to inspire, that you would continue to cut and to prune and to shape us more into the image of your Son. So we just say, have your way. Have your way for the rest of this morning. Have your way in this sermon. Uh, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. I just had a reminder that my home and contents insurance is coming up out of my account this week. Thank you, phone. <laughs> You've got a phone that just does that, you know. The stupid thing about this tablet is it's connected to my phone. So when people send me text messages during the service, and you know who you are, right, they come up on my tablet and they're really distracting, all right? Stop it. There used to be people in the church that would send messages because my, my watch would light up. You know, they would do that on purpose just to get my watch to light up. I now have this on a sleep mode so it doesn't light up anymore, but now they found another way. So <laughs> we'll work it out. That's what happens when you like technology. Um, last week I was talking about family life and I was talking about what, what it's like to live a life of faith. What does that look like? And really from James chapter 3 that a faith without works, without deeds is dead, but what does that mean when we're not saved by our deeds. And so today I want to continue. Thank you for that person who sent that text message. Um, I want to continue with the thought about family life, but I want to talk about family talk because there's a way that you and I should speak to each other, to others, to the community. Our, our speech should actually honour God in everything that we do and say. And so that's, that's where I want to go today. So we're going to continue with James. <laughs> text bombing just came up on, just came up on my screen <laughs> yes I've given ammunition to someone somewhere anyway James chapter 3 we're going to read from verses 1 to 12 I'm just going to get my water sorry and so it should be on the screen but if you've got your Bibles we'll read from verse 1 um, not many of you should become teachers my fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder. Whenever, or wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Well, that's a really sort of heavy verse, isn't it, you know? Like, the tongue's also a fire and it's set on fire by hell. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's, that should be a warning for us all right there, you know? 
right there. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Amen. God bless your word. Out of our mouths, often what comes out of our mouths is an overflow of what's inside of us. Yeah, It's an overflow of what's inside of us. But I think that whole passage, that whole reading also shows us that what we say also can determine who you are. Yeah, Often you can, someone will say something and it'll be like, you've just shown me your true colours by what you've said. Yeah, It can also determine... Who we are, and we we know that the tongue has a mind of its own. Anyone ever got into trouble with what you've said? <laughs> yeah, I oh, know. I often seem to fall into that pit at home. It's a very large pit at home. Anyway, not <laughs> just at home. For those that are watching online. Um, I'm glad you cannot hear the voices in the background. Uh, we know that the tongue is a mind of its own. Now, what's within us can actually spill out of us and sometimes we can actually be unaware of what spills out of us. Not something that you thought of, something it just, it just happens. In the same way, some people when they speak in the angelic tongue in tongues, some can just speak in tongues whenever they like, they can just speak in tongues. Others, it, it's a gift that presents itself when they're unaware. They could be just praying to the Lord and in the midst of their prayer, it just changes. Yeah? Sometimes what's inside of us has the ability to come out of us, yeah, particularly in our speech, not just spiritually, but physically. And sometimes what comes out from our speech kind of affects us as well because what we think affects what we say and and what we say affects what we think you know so i'm hoping that we're going to see that this passage is kind of like a master key to help understand ourselves understanding our human behavior to a degree um if we can get some control over our tongue i guarantee us everyone that's here everyone that's listening and watching at home that we will actually live better lives if we can control our tongues there's a quote by Alec Matea. He's an author. He wrote this. God's children are characterised by good controlled speech. God's children are characterised by good controlled speech. Basically, it's the mark of a Christian not to be shrewd or, or, or too sharp-witted with our words. Yeah? It's the mark of a Christian to show maturity in what we speak, in the way that we speak. And actually, Proverbs is a whole bunch of stuff about the way that we speak. Uh, imagine for a moment if, if you're a fly on the wall at your home. What's it hearing? What's it listening to? You know? um, imagine a text conversation between, you know, I don't know, siblings, brother and sister, or, or between parent and child, or, or between a husband and wife. Imagine some of those things. What about the normal everyday conversations that you and I have with others? See, when we get shaken or stirred within us, what spills out in our conversation? What is it that spills out? Can we actually see the transformation of Jesus in our lives even with what we speak? Can people see it and hear it in what we speak? You know, when I, when I came to the Lord, 
my language and, and my speech, it changed. It changed a lot. Now, I generally don't like swearing. I still swear. I know some of you are shocked by that. Some people need a heavier hammer. <laughs> and sometimes for me, this is just right for me, not saying it's for you, sometimes an appropriate bomb in the midst of my speech helps crack open the egg that I'm trying to get through to. Yeah? So I don't like swearing, but I, I still swear. But I used to swear all the time, every second word. I, I've got friends outside of church that literally... Every second word is an F-bomb or whatever it might be to the extent where they know me now because I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't understand what you said in amongst all of that swearing. What was it? Oh, you know that you could have saved five minutes of my life if you just left your swear words out of that sentence. You realise that, you know, like you could have got your point across much quicker. I'm sorry, you've got to stop talking now because you've used up your daily words with all your swear words. No, you've got no words left. No, like, I can be like that because some people just swear every second word. That's their language. That's okay. But for me as a Christian, if I got up here and started to drop every word under the sun, I imagine some of you might be shocked. Some of you may be dismayed. Some of you may walk out. Some of you might say, Hallelujah! Someone's real! Yeah? Because I'll watch some movies with swearing that you can't and you'll walk out and then there'll be other movies with, with swearing and I think, oh man, okay, well that's just too much. Yeah, we're all different and that's okay. It doesn't make one of us wrong or right, just different. But generally speaking, our speech as Christians should be different. I feel anyway. I, do you know, I even stopped listening to particular music because of the lyrics. If Even today, I generally only listen to Christian music. And this is not criticism, it's just commentary. But if I listen to music that's out in just everyday life, I love some of it. But every once in a while, I, I hear a song, and it's just, for me, just some inappropriate stuff. And I, I can't listen to that. Man, the melody was so good. The story behind it's brilliant. But you just wrecked the song. You killed it. Forget it. See you later. Not buying the album. Delete on my playlist. Gone. That's me. So as I've grown in faith, I, I find that I, I actually want to try to use my words to praise God instead, to worship him. And, and I want to know what, his, what he says in his word because his word works a transformation in me, which therefore, if you're in his word, it's going to work a transformation in you. And from, <laughs> from his word, we get renewed hearts. And from renewed hearts, we have a renewed speech. We're Christians. We're Christ ones, yeah? So here's the context in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teachers are judged more severely. I know there are so many people that want to preach and teach. I know. Do you know what? This is a warning to say, take a step back, take it a bit slower before you start teaching people because the minute that you do, your words... They're going to be judged more. Even now, I'm feeling now, I'm talking about this stuff, but I'm feeling probably the same as James did when he wrote it as he was penning the words because he was aware and I'm aware right now that I'm talking about taming the tongue, yet I'm the only one who's talking. You know? 
So I'm aware that as I begin to talk about talking, I know there'll be eyes and ears listening to my language far beyond today. Yeah? <gasps> can you say that? You're a Christian. <laughs> Absolutely I can. It's not going to take my salvation away. But it may rob someone else of stepping closer to God, yeah? But anyway, so, you know, we, has any, anyone's heard the, the three main fears that people have? Financial ruin, yeah? You've heard that? first one's financial ruin. The second one is actually dying. And the third one's public speaking. That there are people legitimately in life that are more afraid of speaking in public <laughs> than they are of dying. Maybe, maybe that in itself should say, hey, something really important about our speech, something really important about the way that we speak, that there's a fear tied to it. You know, I, I know many of you aren't going to believe the next, the, the next comment, but when I was growing up, yes, I'm extroverted, but I was shy growing up. I, I hit that snicker. Anyway, um, I was a lot like my son Nathan. My son's super confident when he gets to know you. Super confident when he's comfortable with you know, the place that he's at. But initially he starts off a little bit reserved. I was like that. I was like that in Bible college. I was happy being in the class. I was happy being the class clown. Yeah, I've always, I've got a, I remember one workplace True story, I started. What we like about Battistella is that he's got an answer for everything. Ten years later, your problem, Battistella, is that you've got an answer for everything. You know, right? Hey, I didn't change. It's just your perception. Anyway, <laughs> stay on track, Andrew. So I was in Bible college. I'm happy to be the class clown. But when I got asked to speak in public, that was uncomfortable for me. I didn't understand why it was uncomfortable. I'm starting to understand now because our words when we speak, particularly in teaching and preaching, are so heavily weighted and looked upon and judged. You know, I'm thankful that I was given a, a time where I was involved with Christian radio and, man, I was so scared talking in front of that microphone. But I, I, in the end, I loved it. It didn't matter whether I was prepared or not prepared. Oh, how long have I got? Half an hour. Yeah, I'll just roll up five minutes before. This is cool. Whereas when I first started, half an hour, I'd be like at home practicing writing, preparing for like eight hours for that little 30-minute spot. You know, things have changed, which I'm so glad. So that was a bit of a training ground where I learned to trust Father God and he slowly got rid of my fears. But at the end of the day, it's really important that we know that if you're going to preach and teach, James chapter 3, verse 1, that those who do those things are so heavily weighted. Isn't it funny or interesting that often it's the reluctant in Scripture that God uses to share his word? Moses, Jeremiah. God calls the unlikely. You know, He calls the weak and the broken. In fact, often his choices are a surprise. Why did you choose that person? I wouldn't have chosen that person. You know, He sees things differently. And I think the only way to be a true messenger of God, to be able to share his word, is to be like James, to be aware, you know, just to be aware. For example, that if we're going to teach on taming the tongue, then I'd better be prepared and ready to tame my own tongue. Is that fair? Yeah? So let me say this. If we failed in this area, if you failed in your speech, because I know I have and I still do, yeah? That's okay. 
Because the very next verse, we're about to read a verse that says that we all stumble in many ways. So this, this whole passage is not a criticism. It's, it's not a, this is what you need to do. In fact, if anything, it's an encouragement to be aware. And hey, if you still fall and trip, it's okay. What an opportunity we have if we do trip up because then we can go in our deep, intimate, transparent relationship with Father God. Hey God, I fluffed it again. I don't know about you, but there are moments I'm just... I'm, it's not even in my notes. I just figure I may as well come with shock and awe. Sometimes when I'm talking to Father God, I swear. When I'm really passionate and angry, I swear. And usually he tells me you don't need to speak like that or he brings peace. And everything changes, including my language while I speak to him. Yeah? Because when we, when we muck up, stuff up, fluff up, fudge up, whatever word you want to use in that space, isn't it brilliant that we can go, hey God, man, I need you because I'm so weak in this area. I need you to help me control my tongue. I, help, I need you to help me control my emotions. I need you. I love the fact that whatever happens, that we all, stum- we all stumble. That means that I have all hands out, all fingers pointing, and that means every single one of you and those listening at home, we all stumble. There's not a single person here who has not fallen as far as James and the Bible is concerned in this area somewhere in their life. None of us. And actually, I'll get to that eventually, but he even suggested, no, 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 none of us are perfect. I love that because it means I can be real, Yeah? means I don't have to wear a mask. means I don't have to pretend. Yeah? means that when I'm at home and my child hears me, it doesn't give him an excuse to swear, but to say, hey, sorry. Or when they swear, dude, you don't have to speak like that. Yeah, I know, I just got so frustrated. No problem. Hey, no foul, no harm done. We just know that we can be if we allow the Lord to speak through us to be better than that, yeah? So we all stumble. Praise God, he's a good, good father. James is self-aware, and you and I need to not only be self-aware, but you and I, we need to be self-governing. Now, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I love that he starts verse 2 with, We all stumble in many ways, because it's basically saying, this isn't a condemning message, it's just a warning, so that you can be aware. Be aware, James is saying, we've all stumbled, we've all done things, we've all made mistakes. And then he continues, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Let me say this about the way that I pull that particular part of the scripture apart. What James is saying is, no, you're not. Because he starts with, right? He starts with, We all stumble in many ways. It's almost like they're contradictory because there's a full stop. We all stumble in many ways, but if anyone is never at fault, he's perfect. The two don't go together. They're together because he's he's saying we all stumble in many ways and don't kid yourself, you're not perfect. Yeah. Read it, have a look, see how it's penned. Yeah, we're not perfect. I love the verse because it's a reminder of the gospel. Somewhere we've all sinned. We were all sinners before we became sons and daughters of God. But what he did on the cross, yeah? All have fallen short of the glory of God and each and every one of us needs Jesus. Yeah? Now, I can say I need Jesus more than you, but it's a, 
That's not true. We all need Jesus to the same capacity. But how much you want Jesus is determined by your hunger and my hunger. Now this passage, this, this verse is, is for me, it's life-giving because sometimes we give ourselves a pass or a tick, you know, about the way that we speak. You know, I often say that my wife pulls me up at home for many things, and she does. And she'll pull me up for my language or the way that I've addressed something or my tone or my volume. I'm a team. We don't have volume. We have speech and speech. There's no differentiation for us. It's not talking and screaming, just speech and speech. It's how we speak. It's just it's in our nature, around our dinner table. If you ask my wife, when all the grandkids are there, my brother's there and we're talking, there's no one conversation happening. There's no, oh, shh, 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 this person's talking. There's seven or eight conversations happening amongst 12 people. And you have to, if you want to be heard, you have to raise your voice so that they can hear what you're saying because your conversation's more important than their story about nappies. Yeah? So for me, raising your voice is normal. It's not always the case for some people. Yeah? I'm sorry for those that it's not the case. You miss out. You know, the fluctuation of volume, I'm telling you, it tells a better story. Anyway, all of us can speak differently and sometimes we give ourselves permission to speak in a way that we don't have to. There are times where I may get loud and I don't need to be loud. Yeah? It's not that environment. It's in those times yeah, that we need to be mindful and gracious and gracious to the people that are around us because at the end of the day, we all stumble. We all make mistakes. Is that fair? Yeah, if you're going with me, you're very quiet. It's either you don't agree with anything I'm saying or you're very convicted because of the way that you know that you speak. Come on, it's okay to, to admit that, hey, we've all made mistakes. We all do it occasionally. We all get frustrated. We all kick the dog and run a lawnmower over a cat. We all do stuff that we shouldn't do. Ah, now I've got people's attention. Right, all the cat lovers, they just woke up, I see. This passage, this verse, it's also a word to us about our words and what we speak. Because sometimes, sometimes you and I, we have an internal narrative and, and, and if we don't deal with that internal narrative, I, hear me, it will spill out some way. If not in your speech, in your facial expressions. Seriously, I know I've, I've told the story before, but when my daughter Brooke was born, sorry Brooke, right, Faith and Sarah when they were born, and even Nathan and Samuel when they were born, those babies came out. It's like, oh my goodness! <gasps> they, there was a colourbond moment. You know the commercial where the light shines and the guy just stares at his colourbond roof and, the, and, the, and the, the, the symphony orchestra plays in the background and it's an angelic moment. It's like, oh, and that's for his colourbond roof. That's what it was like with my kids. But when Brooke was born, it was a difficult labour. And, and she was really pushed out. And, and her face was really squashed, right? And so when she came out and I'm looking at my baby, right, my ex-wife back then said to me, what's wrong? I go, nothing. <laughs> but my internal narrative was like, that looks like Jeff Fennick. <laughs> Seriously, because her nose, her nose was squashed. And I was like, oh my goodness, that, that looks like my ex-father-in-law. What's wrong? Nothing. But there was fear 
plastered across my face. So sorry, Brooke, you are beautiful now. Praise God for my grandson because he, he's stunning. <laughs> so hopefully that's enough to get me out of trouble. But sometimes our internal narrative comes out and it could be through a facial expression, yeah? There's a commentator, an anonymous commentator who wrote these words. It's not just about our words, but about our entire narrative and our life of our life and what's truly within us. Yeah? You know, James is being self-aware and now being self-aware, he starts to use some illustrations. He uses three, in fact, and the first one he uses is of a trained horse. Verse three, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Bits are so very small. That, you know, they, they're just they're such small things in comparison to the entire horse. When you think about the size of a horse and this little small thing can, make, can turn its whole body this way or turn its whole body that way, you and I, we need the restraint of the Holy Spirit sometimes in our lives like a bit every time we speak. Because if we fail, yes, amen, we have a loving Father that we can turn to. You know, we can say, hey, God, we need some help. I was, I was harsh here. I swore here. I offended someone here. I didn't mean to. You know, lead me, guide me, help me. We can go to God for that. But I think the key word in this verse is turn. We can turn the whole animal. Yeah? Sometimes with our words, we can turn people towards God. And sometimes we can turn them away from God. Yeah? We need to be mindful of that. It only takes a word for someone, hear me, to miss out on their salvation. Because we've offended them in something, you know. And I know that it's not often our fault. It's their offence. They carry it. But maybe, maybe, maybe we can just be constrained by the Holy Spirit and sometimes like a bit in the way that we speak. Because our words should be full of grace. Amen. You know, then he, he talks about a horse, then he talks about a ship. And in verse 4 he says, Well, take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot, or if you prefer, captain wants it to go. And, and when you compare a bit to a horse and then a rudder to a ship, this is an even more powerful picture because the rudder is so much smaller. And yet it can move. The Titanic, I know not in time for the iceberg, but in life, you know, in general, you know. The ship goes wherever the captain wants it to go. It's just a constant reminder that our words really do matter. And our words, your words, they make, it, they make a difference. They make a difference. You know, particularly in 2022, I think as pastors, we have to be so aware and take even more care than what we have in the past. Because we're living in a world today that no matter what you say, it seems like whatever you say, you can be condemned for it. I say I love the church, I'm condemned for it. Really? I say, I love pastors, I love their heart, love the sac. I'm condemned for it. You have a look. Even just recently on social media, I've tried to be as neutral as possible <laughs> on social media over the last year or two. And I put a post up that just encouraged people to go to church. I, I believe in it. I, I believe in the church. I believe in the church in all its forms. 
whether it's a contemporary church, whether it's a more conservative church, whether it's a Presbyterian church, Catholic church, AOG church, church, I believe in the church. I believe the strength of the church is not what people consider to be the Achilles heel. I think the difference from one place to the next means that we've got a bigger net and we can catch more people. I believe that every pastor that leads a church, generally speaking, has been led by God, called of God, has gone to seminary, Bible colleges, studied, has put their life on hold because they've been called to lead a people, not to ruin a people. And so even this week when I put something on to champion the church, I had two people, but one in particular that came on to tell me how wicked the church was how the church had let people down during COVID because some churches closed their doors. Did you speak to the pastor? Did you get the heart behind their decision? Did they stop you worshipping Jesus? No, they didn't stop us worshipping Jesus, but they stopped us coming to church. Yeah, I hear you, that's hard. You know, that would hurt me too. But it doesn't warrant you pulling down the church and pointing your finger at Every pastor knows. I, I couldn't believe the conversation. I cannot understand how people err on the side of evil instead of, of on the side of good. If you're not happy with a decision that someone makes in any area of your life, why is it that we err on the side of they did it on purpose, they want to get to me, obviously they're wicked, they're evil, the devil's you know, pulling their strings instead of I know they love Jesus. I'm sure they didn't mean to hurt me. I'm sure that was never their intent. Why, why are people so, so, uh, so easily swayed to This is my hobby horse and not my message. So easily swayed to point the picture and condemn and pull down the church that God loves. I don't need to go to church anymore. Now I've got more time. I can do more of my own thing. Now I can truly disciple people the way that they want. In every, every lyric, every, every syllable, they're pulling down the church, the church that I love. Why, why do people do that? Why? Man, when God died for it, yes, we're, we're an eclectic bunch of people in this place and those listening at home. But So why would you pull it down if it did something, we did something you didn't like? Why would you do that? With our tongue, we've got the power of life and death. Why are you erring on the side of death? Oh, because woe is me. Woe is me is Old Testament. Jesus' prophets uplifted and they encouraged and they strengthened and they comforted. Why are you erring on this side? Man, could not believe it. And then he shows us the picture of a forest fire. I mean, that's a forest fire. James 3.5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. For some of us, the tongue is a smaller part of the body, right? Anyway, you can work that one out. We're coming back to the tongue. It's a small part of the body. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I mean, you and I, we're, particularly in Ballarat, we've had fires around us. And some of those fires are started by a small match. Some a spark from a campfire. Some by a, a cigarette butt just being tossed out the window ignorantly. But the smallest of things have created some of the largest fires that you and I have ever been through in our lifetime. The tongue can do the same thing. A word spoken out of context. Uh, a word spoken to the wrong person. And we've all done it. 
You know, we're just going to consider some of that fiery, fiery nature, that some of the things that are said in our culture these days. I mean, you can't even, you can't even have an opinion. You cannot even have an opinion. I like oranges, I hate apples. <gasps> I can't believe you said you hate apples. Oh my goodness. They're part of the fruit family and blah, 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 blah. Oh my, I just said I hate apples. It doesn't matter. We're in a culture which is so toxic that we can't have an opinion that's different from someone else. I've had so many people go, I love your tablecloth shirts. Amen for that. I love it because I often wear my food, you know, <laughs> like I so do. I so take after my mum. I think because I'm slightly larger, the tabletop comes out a little bit further than it used to. It doesn't drop to the floor anymore. seems to stop somewhere, you know. Some people have, don't, don't have the capacity to be encouraging or gracious. It's okay to have a joke amongst ourselves. I'm the biggest joker in this house. I love having a laugh. That's who I am. But somehow, for some reason, we're living in an age of outrage, of shaming people, of shut, shouting people down, shutting them down. There's so much aggression in today's day and age. Yet, let's make sure that as Christians that the Holy Spirit's working through our words so that we can praise him. Yeah, Like we did this morning. I mean, oh, how good was worship this morning? You know, so that we can worship him. You know, think of the game of Chinese whispers. You know Chinese whispers? You know, you start with a sentence here. By the time it gets over there, it starts off with Andrew's really good looking. By the time it gets over there, oh, Samuel looks like he's put on weight. You know, like that's how it changes. Just, in the, just from one side to the next, you get Chinese whispers. That's how insane it can be. The game where we say one thing and totally gets misinterpreted. And that happens in real life, doesn't it? It happens in marriages. Someone says something to someone and it becomes something else. Or what about, what about that when you're at an event and all of a sudden, sudden you're, actually you're not even at the, that event, but then you hear something about that event, but then you hear something about that event from someone else and it's all different and none of it's the truth. Happens all the time and the enemy loves to drop sparks and, and cigarette butts and flames into the family of God and into our nation right now. You know, just even around the dinner table, sometimes our play fighting can become toxic because we go one step too far. I know it. I live it. I experience it. I love to have the last say. I like to be the funniest person in the room. It's my nature. It's not always the right part of my nature. You know, sometimes we can speak over people so that we can say things first instead of being quick to listen. Yeah, slow to speak. Our tongue has to be kept in check. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Saying things that are, that are harsh and cruel, not sticking up for those that are absent, that can't stick up for themselves, being disinterested in your words and only interested in my words, you know, or, or losing my temper or our temper, you know, or one family member. Do you know one family member can wreck a dinner in, a, in one word for everybody else. That's how powerful our words can be. And, and the list goes on and on. One of the worst things that we can do in relationships is to say things when we're walking away from each other. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Don't do that with your kids. Don't do that with someone else. Don't do that at work. Don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, we should be coming together and looking in each other's eyes. 
Now, what about the church foyer? Or in a friendship group? Staff room? When you're at the shops across the road? Maybe when you're visiting someone in hospital? You know, I think we can all admit to talking about someone negatively when, not, when they're not there, if we're to be honest. Well, gossiping, talking about stuff that has nothing to do with us. We speculate, we guess. In our ignorance, passing on stuff that's inaccurate because it's changed by the time it's got to us, Chinese whispers, yeah? It's really important to understand verse 2 as I'm sharing this stuff, and that is we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Uh -uh, we all stumble, we all make mistakes. And that truth helps us to remain humble and turn and focus back on Jesus. You know, James gives us this, this picture of this powerful impact that the tongue can, can make. And then we move into verse 7. Verse 7 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. So he takes us into this kind of Roman, Roman circus, right? And he's saying, have a look at this. Look what man is capable of. Amazing! Look at all the animals he can tame! When I was in India, the thing that would Rob would be at home listening, yeah, at home listening, Rob would remember we were at a village that was called the Snake Charmer Village, because then they would they seriously brought out a sack and emptied it in front of us. They got us to sit right there, and around us there's all these different snakes, and then they start, <laughs> and every snake is is like totally mesmerised. And then they pull out the real deal, you know, the cobra thingy. It's like, at this point, <laughs> true story, I got one of the more elderly that were with me, offered them my chair. They go, thank you. I go, look, it's all right. You shouldn't have to stand. You, true story. Right? <laughs> uh, Bob Levingston will remember this. Bob, come and sit. Please, come and sit. Really? Yeah, don't stand. I'll stand. You sit. I'll go back. I'm hiding behind the pillar. This king cobra snake, right, he turns to me and he goes, I'll get you. <laughs> even there, they can even tame snakes. But then, we can all do this stuff. And then it says in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's shocking. There was not one expert in the world that day that could say, I have tamed my tongue. And then he goes on to say it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is impossible. So think about it in our own lives. Just You think you've got it all under control? This is me included. I'm preaching to myself, yeah? You, you think that you're a, a person of good words and good speech and, and, and healthy, robust vocabulary, yeah? The Lord's washed us clean. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, just those words alone. I'm feeling muscly, yeah? We're doing well. And then something happens and it jumps out and it's like, I can't believe I just said that. I'm so sorry about that. I, don't, I, can't, I can't believe I just said what I said in front of... In, oh, oops. Anyone? Just me. Probably me at a pastor's prayer breakfast. It's always me. Whenever there's pastors around, it's me. They always look at me and go, it's always you. Oops. Yep, it's always me. Something really important 
And so far I've described what's within us can spill out to our speech, so we have to make sure that our hearts are pure. But there's also a sense that the tongue is a thing itself. It's described as a member of our body. So yes, what we speak comes out from us, but sometimes it just comes out from us. It's not there, but it comes out from us because we've got a thought we didn't even know we had. I think that shows us that until Jesus comes, we're always going to struggle with our tongue. <laughs> and to be, if we're going to be really honest, for all the hyper-grace people out there, until Jesus comes, we're all, always going to struggle with sin. No, we're not sinners. We're sons and daughters of God. But each and every one of us has the propensity to do something that God may not be happy with, that if we were to continue to do that, would pull us away from faith and would cause us to lose our faith. No, we're not sinners. No, I'm not a sinner. I'm a son of God. I'm seated in the heavenly places. But until Jesus comes back, I will constantly have temptation in my life. I will constantly have a struggle with my tongue. It's so funny that I play Xbox because I have to be so careful in that environment what I say because they're all listening. They all know that I'm a pastor. I had a, a, a new chappie from WA join our game last night. He already knew I was a pastor of a church. He goes, oh, Dan's been telling me all about you. He was telling me about your YouTube site, blah, blah, blah. I've got to be so careful with what I say. And every once in a while, because I'm smart-witted and I'm cheeky, sometimes the wrong thing comes out and someone will say, did you just say that, Andrew? Say so what? I heard you, Pastor. And I, in myself, I go, oh, dang, too far. Sometimes we all need to be kept in Holy Spirit. Check, yeah? I love what, first, what John writes to the churches. These are to believers. First John 2.1 My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. So we've got someone to go to. Yeah? And then James goes on in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What James is saying is stay humble. You can't do this yourself. You can't tame your tongue yourself. But in God, you can. Why don't we stand? I've gone five minutes over and I apologise in Jesus' name. The tongue can have a mind of its own. But the beauty of the tongue is this. It's an awesome blessing. It can be an awesome blessing. Yeah? The beauty of the tongue is we can praise God with it, like we did this morning. The beauty of the tongue is it can be the sweetest sound on earth. For me, this morning was a sample of it. It's how we encourage. It's how we bless. There's nothing sweeter than someone giving us an encouraging word. Any, is there anyone here that dislikes being encouraged by someone? That's what I thought. We all love being encouraged. But our tongue does need to be tamed. Just like a horse needs to be tamed or broken yeah, to win the Melbourne Cup. You know, I know that some love to speak their mind. Ever heard anyone say, I was only speaking my mind? Yeah, that's why they've got no friends, because they spoke their mind. You know, there needs to be some discipline sometimes. You and I, we need to speak grace with grace, grace on top of grace, so that whenever anybody leaves a conversation with us, they know that they are loved, that they belong, yeah, that they're valued. God's children are characterised by good controlled speech, said Alec Matia. And I want to finish with this. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. But Peter himself even gets in on the act. And Peter says in 1 Peter 3.10, For the scripture says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, 
Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Simply put, he's saying, if you want to enjoy life, then watch what you say. So for those of us that are here today, for those that are at home that are watching, just a moment, just pause, think. If you're struggling today, if you need joy in your life today, an easy way for us to increase our joy is to use our words to encourage and to bless those around us. Peter's telling us that. Because if we give others joy with our words, we'll increase with our own joy. If we want to enjoy our life, let God use us to make other people happy because when, when they're happier, when we make other people happier, we actually are made happier ourselves. So if you're miserable, make someone happy. Encourage them, get around them, love them. Maybe that'll pull you out of the funk that you're in. Yeah? You know, our, our words have the power to bless or curse. And that's why we need to tame the tongue. That's why we need to play, pay close attention. And what we need to say is the same thing that God says about us in his word. We are, they are his children, yeah? We are, they are wonderfully made. We are, they are worth and of value. God loves me and God loves them. We keep those things front of centre, front of mind. We'll never say anything bad about anyone else, amen? So I'm going to pray, but with every eye closed, because I'm just, I just want a moment, I've gone over time again, sorry, um, but just with every eye closed, if you know you need help in this area, this is me included, don't look at the person next to you, don't even try to feel the vibes of the person in front of you or behind you, if you need help in this area, you just know that you have moments where you, you're not as strong as you could be when it comes to your words and your speech. I just want you to lift your hand so I can see it really quickly because my hand's already lifted, just to say, because I want to pray for you, for me, for us, that, hey, God, I, I need some help in this area. And maybe you're someone here that just not only needs help but wants to be forgiven for the things that you've, known, that you've said. Just personally for yourself, I want to pray for you too because sometimes we can beat ourselves up about things that happened in the past that are gone and no longer in our control. And there are some things that we just need to hand over to the Lord. Amen. So, Father, in this place and space, God, I thank you, Lord, for a moment that we can just spend with you. I thank you, God, that we can be real with you. I thank you, Father, for James's iconic words, his real words, that we all stumble, that we can all make mistakes. But Father, I know that in this place I need your help. I know, Holy Spirit, that I need your governance. I, need, I, I know that I need your controlling. I know, Holy Spirit, that I want you to work like a rudder, that when I'm going to say something that's not right, that you would steer me in the different direction, that my words may steer people closer to Jesus, not push them away, not getting them to walk away from the church, but instead walk toward it. Father, may, be, may we be a people that our words are so full of courage that those that are around us actually want to be with us. Father, that people that we know would drop into our homes, that would ring us up, they would pester us, not because we're special, not because we're rich, because after they leave our presence, they've felt inspired and encouraged and uplifted in the name of Jesus. And Father, for those that are, that are holding on to hurts from the past, Lord we, Lord, we just need you to touch and to forgive. We ask you, Holy Spirit, now to purge that, to work a miracle in that. 
Father, in the same way that the hot rocks from heaven touching our tongues, purges our tongue, I pray, God, that you would purge our souls from guilt. Remove that guilt, Lord God. We don't need to live with that anymore. But truly, God, may our speech be so different that people come to know Jesus because of it. I thank you for James. I thank you for his writing. I thank you for his honesty. Thank you for his transparency. And I ask a blessing upon those of us that are in the hearing today that we will be a different people, that we would be more like Jesus, Lord God. Not because we have to, not because it's good, but because it's right. (laughs) And because we want to see others come to the wonderful knowledge of your son in the same way, Lord, that we walk and talk with him. So we give you all the glory and we give you this space and place this morning in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Hey, thanks for.